Good evening everybody, we are here for the first Q&A of the month of Feb, February the 5th and it is 105, we just thank God, we just thank God. Father we just thank you Lord for all your children who send in the questions. I pray Father that they would have a word of comfort, Mm. the answer would comfort them, the answer would encourage them, the answer would give them direction. Father, because your spirit is all of that. He's the counselor. He's the comforter. He's the one who leads. He's the one who sets us at liberty. And I pray even this ministry of Q&A will be a ministry of deliverance and liberty for many, Lord. To that end, we commit this time into thy hands and we pray, Lord, be magnified, be glorified in our midst. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor Vijay, we can start. Pastor Vijay, Pastor, Pastor Vijay, okay. start with question number nine. Okay. Um, David was uh, grief stricken at the insult to the God of, of the Hebrews. How do we take the humiliation of God's name by rulings against the bishops and heads of denomination by courts of law? Do we care for God's name or for what we believe is our rights? How do we handle stuff like that? Okay, it's, it's it's a different it's a different scenario we live in. Okay, we have to look at David. David is in Israel. Israel is a land under God. They have a covenant with God, and the law is their constitution. Mm. But we live in a different kind of a world. Like in India, we have a constitution which is at least on paper it is secular. And even in U.S., it's a nation under God, but there is a weird interpretation of separation of the state and the church. So instead of actually what it meant, that freedom of religion, they made it into freedom from religion. Mm. Okay, it's this the judges, the liberal leftist judges who did these things. But in the New Covenant, we need to understand is that uh, our grief is not so much in the public square, though in a nation like America you can do yes, it. Yes, yes. In Christian nations, where are still the majority or at least the so-called majority or large number of Christians are there, you can stand up for your rights. But in nations like ours or China or Middle East, it's a different scenario. So I would say in this case, uh, you have to react according to your country, according to your country and according to the the government. Because even though we are a secular, this thing over here, secular, like we have a situation right now in Karnataka. Um, it's nothing to do with Christians, but it is a college in Karnataka where you have a different government, unlike ours, which are more right-wing, Hindu right-wing government. So they have banned the Muslim girls from wearing hijab, their covering. So there is a whole protest going on. So it also 100... Uh, Hindu girls came in wearing orange scarves. Okay, so it became a religious thing. And the government is saying uh, they won't allow the covering. And uh, you cannot enter the college premises if you wear it. So there is a political religious tussle going over there. 
But in that situation, they are protesting. The parents and all of them are protesting. So in that in that situation, what do you do? It's a question, what do you do? We have a legitimate right of protest as long as it is not violent. Peaceful, yes. It's not violent. But again, if you were a government, a secular government, they will say we will not allow religion should be kept out about about from educational places. But if you look at religion, certain religions, certain things are part of your life. Part of your life. Okay. Now a Hindu doesn't have to wear a saffron shawl. That's not part of your religion or part of your life. But for Muslims, if you look, I'm looking from a secular citizen point of view, certain things are mandated for them. Now they said the Muslim, the Muslim girls cannot wear hijab. Okay? They said cannot wear. Let us say in the adjoining college, if there is a men's college, there are five, six students. Will the government say take a turban off? Will they dare to say take your turban off? Because that is part of his religion, identity. Like in Western countries, you are not allowed to wear the cross, you will be dismissed from your service and all. So this is where we have to be, we have to judicial uh, intervention when it takes place. The judges have to see and say, is this fundamentally part of your religion which you have to practice or not? If it is not, then let the law be applied. But if it is a fundamental part of your religion, then we go with that and say that's part of which you are, we allow you to practice because in a secular nation, it is not freedom from religion. It is a freedom of, of religion, religion or freedom of religion. So when stuff like this happens, we have to, one, there should be no violence because violence takes the issue goes out of the window and it changes the whole narrative. But within the political framework which we have allowed, we protest. We protest when those kind of uh, statements are made. We protest. We resort to whatever judicial means are there, public protest, judicial means, social media, whatever we are. But ultimately, what is common, whether this is happening in U.S. or whether it is happening in in China. China is bringing or brought out a law that children below the age of 18 cannot attend church, even if they are from Christian families. Okay. So what do you do when you have situation like this? Okay, under 18. So the state is in charge of your children. They cannot go to church because if you go to church, the children will be indoctrinated. Okay. So what do you do? What is common? What is our Common response to stuff like this. So I will always give you do whatever your system allows you to do without getting beaten up and okay. And but whatever happens, even when you get beaten up, if you are non-violent, you get beaten up. It is fine. Act but of act of non-violence is very powerful. But the primary suggestion I would say is changes are defined in your prayer closet. Changes are defined in your prayer closet. Nation's history, destiny has been changed. What the church should do is, you know, the church, the believing church, would go, even as they do all this, also bombard the gates of heaven. Okay? You can't do anything against, if you if you look at our favorite uh, portion connected with that, is in Acts chapter 12. 
Okay, Acts chapter 12, verses 1 to 5. What can you do? The church is small. They have no political power. They have no numerical power. They have, they can do nothing. It's mm. monarchy, absolute monarchy, ruthless Roman Empire. About that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. I'm looking at the general principle of it, okay? You connected with the question. General principle, what the church can do. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Mm. For what? For preaching the gospel. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of the unleavened. So that's basically what is happening in Karnataka. Once the government says, no, it pleased the whole, the majority is very pleased. Yeah, it's a good time to teach them. The minority is a lesser. It pleased. So what happened? They are not going to back down. They will only increase the whole thing. Okay. So what did he do? So you look at the principle. It's always the same. Nothing has changed. The devil does not have new brilliant ideas. He just rehashes the same old thing. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison, delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. And Peter was therefore kept in prison. This is what changes the narrative. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. This is what changes constant. This is what God says in Luke 18, 1 also. Men ought to always pray and never lose heart. When you see these kind of things happening, okay, men, you know, the, our primary response is not political. Our primary response is not judicial. As a believer, my primary response is prayer. We first appeal to God before we appeal to Caesar. God, because we know God can change. And we, the whole, we've been studying this for weeks now. We see people who had no power actually standing in the gap and God intervening, whether it is a Daniel, whether it's a Nehemiah, whether it's an Esther, whether it's an Ezra, all of them appeal to God. They fasted, they prayed, and God changed the situation. And we need to realize God hasn't changed. God has. I'm not saying you should not use the other means, other means. But remember, uh, we are living in a time where the media is controlled by anti-Christian forces around the world. Yeah, absolutely yeah. anti-Christian forces. So you will say one thing and they will print it or broadcast it, edit it and put it in a cross in such a way you are always shown as in bad light. So you are not looking at social media or public opinion, all that. Ultimately, when you do all these things by saying, I will use my rights in a democracy as a citizen to protest, but my ultimate recourse is my prayer closet. And when a church prays, and in Luke 18, God says that when the Son of Man comes. okay, And he talks about a situation there if you go further down. He gives a parable, and this is where we need to look at yeah. the person he uses as an illustration. One is a widow. She has no help. She's powerless. Nobody to help her. Because that's why a widow. There was a widow in that city. Okay, two onwards. Two there onwards, was a two widow on. in that city. So she's a widow. Two. Okay? She's a widow. So she has nobody. Now, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God. If you, if a judge fears God, you can expect some righteousness from him. Does not regard man. So you don't expect sympathy or compassion from him. This is a man from who doesn't care two hoots of anybody. Two hoots. Neither does he fear God, nor has he any compassion for man. 
to such a kind of a man. There was a widow in the city. She came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And verse 4. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest her by a continual coming she be me. Look at verse 6. The Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. Shall not, God not, avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him. So what is the principle there? God avenges only those who cry out to him day and night. Those who quit praying don't expect answers. It's a principle there in verse 7. His elect, he avenges his elect who cry out to him day and night. Though he bears long with them. He bears long with them because he's working out many other things in the background. But the question he asks, rhetorical question he asks is in verse 8. He asks, when the Son of Man, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will you really find faith on earth? Mm. That preserving faith in your prayer closet where you have it. And if we all were to search our own hearts, own hearts, we will see... How many people are persistent? This is one of the reasons the church in America appreciates us is that they said from November 11, 2020 till February 4th, 2022, we haven't given up fighting for justice to prevail in the U.S. over an election that took place. We haven't stopped fighting. We refuse to give up. How you will work it out, which form you will work it out, when you will work it out, we do not know. But we know it was unjust. And it was unjust not to just to a man, but to the church. Church, exactly. To mm. the church. Because that man supported the church. Therefore, we support that man. He stood up for the church, for the rights of the church, for the right to preach freely without being penalized by the IRS, for the right of the unborn, Okay, the unborn. Okay, the right of the unborn. So he stood up for all. He didn't stand up for all the things which we stood for, but fundamental things that are important to God and to his church he stood for. So we refuse to quit on it. Which form justice will come? We don't know. We do not know. That we leave it to God. But that we will fight for justice, your righteousness be established in this situation, that's our call. We refuse to give up. We refuse to give up. And that's what God is talking about. Whenever the name of God is mocked and his righteousness is warped, the church has a recourse everywhere. What is common for the church in China, the church in Australia, the church in Iran, the church in the most free nation, the church in India? What is common? You you pray without ceasing. You pray without ceasing. And by God says, he will speedily avenge. And that's our hope. So my answer to it is, that is should be our primary response. And then do whatever your system allows to do. Yes, Pastor. So, the, you, you see the increasing measure of uh, protests, I mean, even if you look at Canada and Australia too. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, <coughs> can you hear, Pastor? Vijay? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, so uh, you, and you see that uh, the government has been 
uh, absolutely anti uh, in i mean like in the in the case of australia it's a conservative government yeah. and the ca- in the case of canada it's the liberal government so how do we how do we look at these two case of which is conservative ca- australia i think is a conservative yeah but th- those are all frauds they are name say this thing they are all frauds you cannot trust the ruling system you cannot trust the ruling system but what has happened is that during this covid covid uh, that started covid 19 when it started that was what you call a trial run it was a trial run okay it was a trial done to control the masses it is a trial run to control the masses on a worldwide scale they had done it in localized scales but a worldwide trial run had to be done and they succeeded they succeeded okay if you look at it they have really succeeded because there are two words if you go with me into the book of revelation if i'm right it is revelation chapter 13 so that we know what we are expecting to come revelation chapter 13 hmm? and verses this is the beast okay verse uh, 16 and 17 okay he causes all both small and great rich and poor free and slave to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads okay and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name so there are two things which is uh, which is a uh, few things which is common over there one is the mark okay the other is the beast mm. there is a mark and there is a beast now this is very specific it will happen one day but generic form we talk about generic drugs generic form what does the mark mean the mark means sin mark means sin you have missed the mark mark means sin okay mark one of the generic meanings of the term in hebrew for the mark is sin mm. and what is the beast the beast is the government okay beast is the government so basically what you have today is that people have received the mark already mm. people i'm talking about not the people in the world leave them alone we're talking about the people in, in the, the church. church the people have taken most people within the community of believers have accepted the mark of the beast meaning they called evil good and they go call good evil christians otherwise many of the things that have been accepted in the western nations will not be accepted unless the church accepts it okay you need to realize if you do the pew studies if you look at the recent pew studies the majority of christians in us itself does not believe the bible is the word of god and yet they go to church so they already have accepted the mark they accepted the mark that god is not the standard anymore his word is not the standard anymore for what is right or wrong so the mark has been accepted okay we need to understand the majority of the christian world has accepted the mark in the generic and they accepted the power of the government mm. what happened in this 20 um this lockdown period and what has happened is that they actually if you look at look at uh, in the western world and even in india and many countries it is jab or lose your job 
basically they are saying in in a typical way what is the injection do it leaves a mark mm. and you have a number and if you have that number that you have taken the jab you will have your job or you lose your job now they are, now they are coming to the point of calling uh, those who don't take the vaccine has domestic terrorists so you see the foundation is being laid for the kingdom of the antichrist to come these are trial runs these are trial runs you don't take the vaccine you lose your job so people take the vaccine they are not convinced about the vaccine they don't need the vaccine but if you don't have a job you can't buy or you can't sell you have a talent if your brother banu is sitting over here he works for a company mm-hmm. why does he why does a company hire him because he has something that he can sell to them he sells his talents to them and they give him a salary that is how the economy works mm-hmm. but if you don't take the mark you can buy or sell it is already happening before our eyes already happening before the eyes 7.2 billion people in the world 5.4 billion have been vaccinated okay numbers i'm giving off my head numbers which i have read okay so you need to realize they are what are they doing they are late because the kingdom of the antichrist won't suddenly come like that it cannot it's not like the kingdom of god mm-hmm. he has to lay a platform for it okay play a platform for it in the same way the kingdom of god will not suddenly come like that the church lays a platform mm-hmm. for it yes. so within the church there is those who are growing in righteousness righteousness they are laying the platform they are the saints who will rule with jesus when his kingdom comes on the other side they are also laying a platform mm. they are also laying a platform so unlike god's kingdom where because of the nature of god who is omniscient who is omnipresent and is omnipotent the devil is neither mm. omniscient yes. he is not omnipresent he is not omnipotent so he needs demons he needs humans he needs technology he needs artificial intelligence he knows all these things when he takes over humanity to run them he cannot run he cannot run humanity so he needs technology god doesn't need technology <laughs> he doesn't need anything <laughs> he doesn't need anything but you need to so you see we hear about artificial intelligence what is artificial intelligence doing it's basically replacing man mm-hmm. now why do you have to replace when you have 7.2 yes. billion people why do you need to replace man that means there is an agenda behind it they will bring the population down to manageable limits how they will do it different ways god will allow it too because god will allow it they will do it and the bible says pestilences wars all kind of things will happen because now we are at the pestilence stage and the next is going to become famine and war and most of this is created by man yes. manufactured yeah. by man okay if you look at the mainstream media the mainstream media almost 99% of the mainstream media did not publish or publicize the foremost john hopkins medical university report mm. that the mass did not do any good it only did harm 
Okay, they did not do it because it goes against their agenda. Okay, now we are quoting their authority. John Hopkins University is one of the most reputed ones, basically with COVID. They have been their studies, their detailed studies said it it did not really make any difference. Second part of our report is that the lockdown actually worsened the whole situation. Because when you lock down and put people all in their homes, the viral load went up and therefore the casualties actually went up instead of lessening it. Now, will they publicize it? No, because it goes against their entire agenda. Sure. So what does it actually mean? It actually means the government was responsible for most of the deaths. Yes, yeah. By the measures they took, governments, the government's way. But no government wanted to publicize because then the people will ask, vote them out. You are responsible. You got blood on your hands because you put signs and anybody who opposed from the scientific field, you silence them. You took out. Now, why am I saying this publicly? Because it is a John Hopkins, Hopkins University. University report. This is not from any church or pastor or anything. It is out there. The report is out there. So we are looking at it and we are seeing there is a platform being set. Everything is being set over there. And there is only one force who can fight it. It is the church. Nobody has any power to change anything except the believing church, which goes into the prayer closet and which contends with powers of darkness and buys time. What are we doing? We cannot change. This is inevitable. Okay. There are certain things you cannot, you cannot, you cannot say, Lord, thy kingdom come, but please, Lord, can it come in a different way? Not as it is said in the book of Revelation. You can't do that. There is a way it will come. Okay. So the Antichrist has to come before the Christ will come. So Antichrist will come. But what we can do is we can buy time. We can either hasten his coming or we look at the situation of the church and say, Lord, have mercy. So because the Bible says, Bible Jesus says, and he is God, he says the bridegroom delayed. So the simple question is, why did the bridegroom delay? Because the bride delayed. Because the bride wasn't ready mm-hmm. or there was a bride crying out, say, Lord, I understand. Like Paul, for me to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. If you ask me, what do I want? <laughs> I want to go. But if you ask me what I will do, I will stay for your sake. For your sake. So there is a believing church is ready to go, which says, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Lord. And then they look at the people and say, Lord, also delay because there are many to be saved. Many to be saved. Okay, those who are secure in their salvation is not worried about the Lord's coming. They're more concerned about their loved ones. They realize there are many to be saved. So I believe the church, the church has a very, very powerful, the believing church who understands the seasons and the time. This is what Jesus said. You need to need to know the seasons. Mm-hmm. We are, it's playing out right before our eyes. Like I said, 2020, everything changed. Everything changed. There was a trial run around the world. And after that election, I still will say, which was stolen in so many ways. Even in a democratic system, if you suppress the media from or the media suppresses certain facts from coming out, coming out, it is tampering with the elections. Even if you say all the ballots and all were fine. My simple question is that why was Hunter Biden's laptop thing not publicized. Why it was suppressed? Because if you see what is coming out about what he is and how much his father is involved, 
how much of a crackpot family is. This is a man and this is his father. They are all involved in a lot of unbelievably filthy, filthy stuff that has happened over there. And this man is take, sitting in the White House. And you suppress that entire thing. Suppress the entire thing. They suppress the entire thing. So they've tampered with the election. I'm talking about real facts. Tampered with the election. Okay, the Trump thing, the Trump thing, the impeachment over the Ukraine uh, telephone call and all. But now, Freedom of Information Act, the new stuff has come out. The fact is that when that prosecutor in Ukraine was fired, when he was fired, actually before that, the State Department ratified by John Kerry earlier, including the person in charge of Ukraine, had actually commended that prosecutor who was fired by saying he's going after corruption in Ukraine. But Biden went there and says, over my dead body, 24 hours, fire him or you are not getting the money. So they fired him. So that was never revealed until today when the impeachment was going on for the defense of Trump. Because if that information I'm going, it would have gone completely against the impeachment narrative. So you need to realize there is a spiritual battle that is going on. So when we say expose, 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 we will pray expose, expose, all the wicked ones expose. Yeah, CNN is tumbling down, down yes. tumbling down. They are cutting each other's throat. Our job is to pray. And let God work it out which he wants because the wicked has to be exposed. The wicked Whoopi has, Whoopi yeah, Whoopi all these wicked ones have to be exposed because they are playing to a narrative to bring another kingdom into being. Yes. Why should we play with them? Exactly. We are not playing well, the in, game in, with them. Even, yeah. in, even in Canada, mm. Justin Trudeau sent a recent tweet saying that yes. these guys are protesting mm. against vaccines against. and he's talking, to, uh, telling them that yeah, mm. they are Islamophobes and uh, homophobes. Yeah. And yeah. all There's no comparison between no, the two. What are protesting? But that's what these are. But these politicians like Trudeau and all are just what you call setups. They are not politicians or leaders or anything. They have handlers. They tell what their handlers tell them. Otherwise, how can the president of the U.S.'s mic be cut off as soon as he makes a mistake? They cut him off in the middle of a statement. So you know he says what he's told to say. So, so. The church is the only entity because this is a spiritual battle. So we have to fight that spiritual battle. And we are seeing it's a Revelation 13 playing before our eyes. No one can buy or sell except first the generic form mark we take. We normalize, not in the world, in the church, church. we normalize sin. We stop preaching against sin. We become politically correct. Right. We become politically correct. We stop preaching against sin. The minute the church does that, they have taken the mark. They've taken the mark. Why did they do it? So that they have the freedom to buy and sell. Because it's all about money. Mm. It's all about taxes. It's all about money. The liberty which the government gives, not the liberty which God gives. Okay? God gives. So this is where you have, you have to Read with the small print and see what is happening. So the, the platform has already been set. It's a platform that has been set. And they are moving, speeding towards their agenda. And the only ones who have the power to put the foot on the brakes is the church. And the church has to pray and say, Lord, slow down. Because you honestly look around everywhere, even look into your own hearts. Sometimes you will see, you know what, you are not ready. 
for what is coming. And that's why God says, if he did not shorten those days, even the very elect themselves will not be saved. Will not be. Because the deception is so rampant. Because they, first they took us off newspapers. Most people don't read newspapers anymore. And most people get their news from social media and this thing. And they control that. First they get you addicted to something. That's what they do. You know what they, what they do with young people and all. You will see well, how come young people are so much addicted into addiction. You know, they were seduced into addiction. They added those things into their drinks. They put that in ice cream and all. And the kids had no idea. They liked that high. After that, they were sold that stuff. In the same way, they made us addicts to social media. They made it. Now the social media companies control the world. Look at Apple's profit for this quarter. Look at their profits, the kind of money. I mean, if you look at what's Apple? <laughs> How does Apple feed a poor man on the street? What is Apple? Look at the kind of money, money they make. Money they make. So they made you addicts. We are addicted to these things. Okay. We are no longer using these things. Okay. Nobody, uh, I mean, if you are a cocaine addict, how does cocaine benefit you? How does coco- cocaine benefit you? Know? But you can take that cocaine and maybe in a lab change it into something, being add into medicines and it becomes a useful thing. Probably, I guess you can do it. But what I'm asking you is, are we using social media or are we addicts? Are we using the internet or are we addicts? addicts. So they made us all addicts and now they have made us addicts they control the source basically it's a mind control system that is operating ultimately they are coming to the point where they are controlling our thoughts because you cannot think other than what you hear and what you read okay you don't think you they control the whole thing education has been taken over Indoctrination has begun in the schools and colleges for years together. Media has been taken over. Everything is controlled. So, so who, who is the only set of people who have their minds free? It's the people like you heard in the morning's message. It is meditating upon the word of God. The word of God, you have to personally be accountable for your, is it working Sammy? Okay. Personally be accountable for your mind, your soul. If you're going to be dependent only upon pastors, upon pastors, you need to realize the devil too has pastors. Plenty. Plenty. Very charismatic. Very powerful orators. Very charismatic. They can hold your attention and they have gifts too. But you do not know their doctrine. You do not know their doctrine. And you cannot test their doctrine if you do not have the word. If you do not have the word. So that is why they are after our minds. And God is also after our mind. So God says, stick to my word. Stick to my spirit. You will come through. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Amen. That was awesome. Sam. Pastor, there are some personal questions. Okay. So this is uh, question number 10. 
when friends turn against you and your heart aches from betrayal, we try to let our thoughts be of God's grace and forgiveness. I pray Psalm 25 verse 18. It should be the other way around. Look at my affliction and forgive their sins. One, mm. one that has sinned against you. If you want to be free, if you really, really want to be free, because there is hurt, hurt, and if it is not uh, handled properly, will become grief. And grief is not, or sorrow is not handled properly, it becomes bitterness. bitterness. And bitterness becomes offense. Once offense gets in, you can forget that person. It's very difficult to minister to them. Offense is the wall, wall, the enemy builds. Okay, enemy builds. So this, the first way out is that when somebody has, somebody has sinned against you, hurt you, is that the first response is forgive them. It's a choice you make, a choice of will. I choose to forgive. And then think about the issue. Because forgiveness is with the person. In the issue, you may be right, the other person may be wrong. But unforgiveness is not with the issue, it's with the person. With the person. And you forgive others, not for their sake. You forgive others for your sake. And the first and the fourth, if you want to move ahead in life, you will have to choose to forgive. You have to choose to forgive. If you do not forgive, everything else stops. That's even the son of man, who was the only man who never sinned, and everybody sinned against him. Hmm. Nobody can say that. We all have sinned. Others have sinned against us. We may put in our weighing scales and say, sinned less, they sinned more, hmm. all bunker. The fact is that we all have sinned. And when we sinned against others, they didn't tell us. We all have sinned. We all have hurt. Others have hurt. But there was only one man who walked on earth who never sinned against anybody. And everybody sinned against him. But his first statement when they put him on the cross, okay, for not for not doing anything wrong, they put him on the cross. So he's innocent who is being condemned. His first response is, "Father, forgive them." Father, forgive them. Otherwise, everything else. If you look at it in the Lord's prayer, everything is connected ultimately to that. You go to the Lord's prayer and read that whole Lord's prayer in Matthew, Matthew six. six. I want the whole thing and the words after that. Why is it so important? Because we don't realize the Lord's Prayer, if you look at it, hinges. That's on verse 9 and to verse 15. In this manner, so it's a pattern, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and then Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Mm. Do not lead us into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever, forever. None of this will come to pass if you don't do that one thing. Therefore, verse 14 says, If you forgive men their trespasses, 
your heavenly father will also forgive you. And verse 15, and if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Immediately there is a relationship break. You say, our father is in heaven. There is no response. No. You say, hallowed be your name. God says, you are not hallowing my name at all or by holding unforgiveness. You hallow my name in forgiveness. I can't kingdom come. He says, my kingdom will come whether you pray or not, but it will not come for you. It will not come for you. It will come after you. <laughs> when you say, thy will be done on earth, he says, you know what, it is not being done in your life at all. Others may receive my will and walk in my will. It is not going to happen in your will. Okay, give us this daily bread. He says, "You, I may give it to you, but not what you wanted. Oh. You, you not what what I had for you. You will just have your basic necessities. That is all. All. No, lead us not into temptation. He says, you are already in the devil's mouth. What lead us not into temptation? An unforgiven person is prey, captive, taken captive by the devil. Okay, deliver us from the power of the evil one. He says, the power of the evil one rules over you. So you need to realize everything is hinges on that one thing we are asked to do. What is that? God says, forgive. That's why offenses will come. God will test us. These things will keep on increasing in our life. Even in Jesus' life, it was not a decreasing, it was increasing. People are sinning more and more against him. In Moses' life, it was only increasing. It was not decreasing. But you look at Moses, the picture, and Jesus, the real person, you will see their life was defined by forgiveness. So when people hurt you, when your friend, it's about Jesus, the psalmist says, my friend has uh, raised, up his heel against raised up his heel against me. And Jesus did not call uh, Judah's enemy. Friend. He said, my friend. Yeah. He said, my friend. Okay. I mean, Jesus really loved him. I mean, don't ever think Jesus will call somebody a friend and he is not a friend. He's not a hypocrite. Yes. When he said he's a friend, he was a friend. He said, you know, I taught you almost till the end and I loved you. You'll have everything and followed me and I love you. Okay, I love you. Okay, so he was, he loved Judas. And Judas betrayed him. That, that hurt the most. Judas' betrayal hurt Jesus. You cannot live as a community for three and a half years mm. and not be hurt Short. by that. It doesn't matter whether you have know it. <laughs> its knowledge does not change the hurt. So he was hurt. He was hurt. No, look at uh, David's hurt. Yes, what he had to go through the betrayal. No, he Saul is after. What did I do? He, you know, but he refused to raise his hand. So forgiveness is fundamental. So when you go through, go back to that question, it's a question that helps a lot of people. When your friends turn against you, your heart aches from betrayal, we try to let our thoughts be of God's grace and forgiveness. No. First thought is that, go by scripture, there's power in the word of God. And God says, you know what, when they sin against you, debtors, when there's a simple translation that says, forgive me my sins, as those who have sinned against me. My trespasses as those who have trespassed against me. So basically you are saying, Lord, I need your mercy every day. God says, in proportion. Go back to that verse. It is in proportion. You want the grace of God to come in. The mercy and the grace to come in. Yeah, verse uh, in that prayer. No, it's nine. 
if you look at it. It was 14 only person. No, 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 no. No, no. It's not 14. That word is, forgive us of our trespasses. If, yeah, I want that. The, in that prayer. Oh. Uh, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12. Yeah. I want that. Okay. As. That as is important. Mm. As. It's proportion. As. As. Forgive us our trespasses. Okay, I will forgive your trespasses. How do you want me to forgive your trespasses? God says, as you forgive. Okay. God says, it is proportional. This, this is where math comes in the Lord's prayer. <laughs> okay. He says, if you forgive 50%, I will forgive 50%. If you forgive 100%, I will forgive you 100%. And I will tell you this is why it's so important. Go to Hebrews 4.16. Then only we'll understand why is it so, so important. Hebrews 4 and verse 16. Let it therefore come boldly to the throne room of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We all have needs. God's answer to every need is grace. But remember, before you can enter through the gates of grace, you have to enter through the gates of mercy. And I cannot receive mercy unless I have given mercy. Okay. I cannot receive mercy unless I have offered mercy. And you know what? People are dying in the church. They are dying in the church because they don't receive grace. Grace is the currency of heaven. Faith, of course, is the ATM card, but grace is the currency, the power of God. And God told even Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And nobody's going to face challenges in life like that man faced. Mm-hmm. Even Jesus did not face in his ministry challenges like he faced. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jesus was crucified, yes, but also a different reason altogether. Paul was executed for a different reason altogether. So the purpose of their death was not the same. But Paul was persecuted and Jesus was never persecuted like that. He was taken into custody only on his last day. Mm-hmm. Paul was beaten up from the beginning till the end. Mm-hmm. But God told him, my grace is sufficient. So that means his grace was sufficient. And his grace is sufficient for every need. But there is an issue. You cannot access the throne room of grace unless you have come to the courts of mercy. And let me show you another thing. Again, all from the the, red, uh, the, the master's mouth itself. Go to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 7. 5, 7. Mm-hmm. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain. obtain now listen, listen carefully. If you read from verse 3 all the way to verse 10, there is nowhere where you obtain something. Yes. Blessed are the poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of it. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Next one. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit. Blessed are those who hunger, for they shall be filled. But when it comes to this one, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Meaning, if you are not merciful, you don't get mercy. You don't get mercy. So it's a fundamental, doesn't matter how much you are being betrayed, how innocent and guiltless you are. Let us say you are in this situation, you are as guiltless as the Lamb of God. Mm. But your first response is, Lord, Father, I forgive them. How? They don't know what they are doing. Which is true. If they knew what they were doing, some people are okay. Born wicked, live wicked, die wicked. So they know what they are doing. But even if it were so, even if so, our choice is, Lord, forgive them. Lord, forgive them. Even, Jesus forgave even the Pharisees. He forgave Caiaphas. And then he forgave them all. Why did he say, for they don't know what they are doing? Meaning, it's another side of it. 
Let me ask you this hypothetical question. If all the sinners who are sinning really were to be shown where their sin would take them, would they, would they sin? No. That's what he meant. They don't know what they're doing. If they really know the consequences of what they are doing and eternity in the lake of fire, nobody would all cry out for mercy. Every religious man would turn to a man of faith. He would throw religion away. He would throw everything away. Every man would cry out for mercy. Saying, Lord, have mercy on me. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. So he says, you know, they don't know what they are doing. Really, they don't know what they are doing. You know, why do people very flagrantly break law? It's because the consequences doesn't come. Mm. If the consequences were to be known and it comes immediately, nobody would break the law. Right? So God says, you don't know what is coming. You don't want to believe it. They have lied to you. This is what is coming. Therefore, we forgive. So that's the main thing, sister, who wrote from there, sister, brother, who I sounds, question sounds like a sister. So sister, I would tell you is that, let go. Forgive. And let God be the judge. The minute you forgive and extend mercy, what happens is, the grace of God starts pouring into your spirit and he starts healing you. Grace works in different ways. One of the way grace works, it, it becomes the healing balm, the balm of Gilead. It flows into your life as healing. And before you know, you are healed. Mm. You are healed. And you know what happens? You become now a minister of God's grace. Let me show you that too. But this is a life question. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 1. Second Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3. And yeah, 3 onwards. Okay, 3 and 4 should be enough. Okay, or 5. 3, 4, 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of what? Mercies. Mercies. See, God has got so many names. He's a Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Now look at verse. Who comforts us in all our tribulation. Now, so this sister going through, it's a tribulation for them. My friends have betrayed me. She's going through pain, sorrow. Let's call it tribulation. Why? But when you show mercy, and the mercy of God, and the comfort of God comes, we may be able to comfort those who are in trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Christ. Let me tell you something. If you haven't gone through certain experiences in life and reacted to it accordingly to the word of God and the spirit of God and received the appropriate response from God, you can only preach theology. Mm. You cannot preach comfort. Mm. You have no, immediately they know what you say is true, but it's from your head, yep. it's not from your heart. Yes, yes. Because you haven't got, walked that, walked that road. You haven't walked that road. But they know what you're saying is true, <laughs> because it is written. <laughs> it is written. But they know it is not true, because he knows it. Because he knows it. And that's why God puts us through this valley. We like the green pastures, we like the still waters, but after that, there is a transition. The transition is, he takes you to the valley of shadow of death. Okay? Valley of shadow of death. He spreads a table for you in the presence of your enemies. My question is, how can you confidently say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of your life? How can you say? 
because you have experienced both. Mm-hmm. You have experienced the green pastures. You have experienced the valley of shadow death. You have supped with friends. You have dined in the midst of enemies. Therefore, you know God is consistent. Surely, goodness and mercy. Now, it's an experience. It's not theory. It's an experience. That becomes your life. That becomes your testimony. So we have a God. I like uh, Second Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 3. How it is, how the name, it's relevant to a situation. Somebody else who has no problems, he has only sloppy friends who never hurt him, he never hurts them, they're happy-go-lucky fellow. And you read, what is this? Father of our Lord, this Father of mercies. It makes no difference. But when somebody is hurting, it, this suddenly becomes life. Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all. He wants to comfort us in all tribulation. But the problem is, you see what? You are not willing to forgive. You are willing not to let go of offense. Because for me, one of the most powerful lessons I learned from scripture is how God deals with Saul. King Saul. Okay? How he deals with King Saul. If you look at how God deals with, this is how you need to understand the heart of God. When God deals with King Saul, he says, I've torn the kingdom away from you. I found a man after my own heart and he will do all my will. All that is over there. But that doesn't mean immediately he kicked Saul off the throne. God, he said he didn't do anything like that. He kept Saul there on the throne. He brought David over there. David becomes a champion and then God is moving everything because he's a father. The God of comfort. You know what he's doing? He sees that Jonathan loves David. He's the next heir to the throne. And Jonathan makes a covenant with David. And Jonathan says, when you become king, I'll be your right hand. So first thing, you don't have to worry of offending your son. Your son wants to serve him. Second, Michal falls in love with David. Third, the army loves loves David. Fifth, the people love David. You know what? God is covering you. Nobody has to know the throne has been taken away from you. I still love you. Let it be a smooth transition. Let this boy marry your daughter, groom him up, and then hand the throne over to him. Nobody will. What happened? Let it remain between the two of you. But Saul, in his unforgiveness and his offense, made it public. God would have never made it public. That is God. Only God will do something like that. He set the whole thing. Whatever happened was between God and Samuel and Saul. Nobody 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 knows. Nobody has to know. When God disciplines you, He will only discipline you first and foremost privately. When you don't take it privately, He has no choice. But even if it is not He, you are making it public. That is God because He is a son. He's a father with a son. Imagine your son does something in the house. Let us say some something like let's like Pastor Vijay was saying. Let us say he stole your son stole hundred rupees from the pocket. Will you take him to the street and beat him up? No, you won't. You'll do it in privacy. Nobody has to know. I'll punish you, but it's between you and me. I'm punishing you because I love you and I want you to change your behavior. That's all. It's an unbelieving if you really pinpoint. Go home and read that portion. How God deals with King Saul. How he's turning. He's not doing it for David. He's doing it for Saul. 
He's not doing it. For David, if you want to unilaterally do for David, is that the people all turn in rebellion, kill Saul and chase his family off and made David king. He doesn't do it. He can do that also if he wants. But he doesn't do anything like that. Everything that he's doing, he's doing it for Saul. So, that's how we have to look at God. This is a God. This is a God. It's a God of mercy. It's a God of comfort. We understand his ways and even he says, I am removing you from this position. He doesn't take you off in one day. Immediately he says, I have picked somebody. Immediately he will say, I will, let us say, let us say, let us say it's the same thing in my case like Saul. He tells me in my midnight devotions, I'm removing you from pastorhood. And I'm handing over to a man after my own heart. Immediately what should I go in my knowledge is that he will remove me but he will not humiliate me. My next thing is to mentor him. 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 And when the time comes, transit over him. And nobody will know I was removed. It's only between me and God. Everybody will think I handed the baton over to him. God says no. It's between you and me. Nobody has to know. On the other hand, if I start looking with a jan and run him down and this thing, God says, you know what? I have to remove you. <laughs> Actually, you did it to yourself. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you did, did it to yourself. yourself. I have to remove you. Mm-hmm. I didn't never wanted this to go public. I never wanted this to go to public. Because that's what a father is. You have to look at him. He's not a criminal court judge. He's yeah. a father. Who deals with crimes? <laughs> also, there's yeah. another question here in this. Um, there is betrayal. Mm. So, uh, so there's a, there are two parties involved here. Mm. There's the one, the person who's being betrayed. I mean, mm. he's being betrayed against, mm. and the one who's betraying. Mm. Now, the question is, uh, how do we guard ourselves mm. from being a betrayer and not? Is, is also important because, like for example, when uh, when you when you are talking about uh, Jesus forgave Judas, mm. he makes a very powerful statement too. He says it would have been better for that man not to have born. Not have to be. So born. because because that is, is no, in, it's only in Judas's case. I, I mean, I, but, but because he became the son of perdition, it the, does not happen in other no, cases no, but, where I mean, they can come back. Ex- Judas cannot come back. Ex- exactly, but mm. uh, there are certain cases even in the church of yeah. church where uh, Paul says Alexander, Alexander the Coppers 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 Smith, Smith, and made the made the Lord do that, and he and us. So there are certain people Cases, like that. How, yeah. No, so it's definitely even, of course, the, the majority was not uh, was not like Judas in the case of the twelve disciples. But having said that, there's a, there's every every possibility because they all started questioning themselves and saying, you know, yeah, am, God, I, am I the one? Am I the one? So how does one guard yourself, himself or herself, from being the betrayer? Because Jesus said that offenses might come and will come. And because anybody can be in that situation, how can one say, I can never primarily, I mean, in this case with the sister's question also, where she, okay, when, and your heart aches from betrayal, we also have to be very, very careful. Self-examination is the first thing. Am I hurt because a person betrayed me or is my self-esteem touched? This is where self is very important. We have to ask. Because what happens is sometimes the pain is because of offense. Mm. When the answer to Pastor Vijay's question is that always you guard your heart from offense. If you are not offended, you will not betray. Mm. You will not betray. Yes. You will not betray. Okay. Offense. Okay. Whenever, you know, whenever offense comes when flesh is touched. 
will immediately know flesh is touched. Immediately know when flesh is touched, the immediate reaction is you will know flesh has been touched. So if you are only hurting because your friend betrayed you, it is okay, forgiven. But you are also offended. You are also offended. That is more dangerous than the ache. Offense is dangerous. Offense is very, most people, um, let me tell you, most people will go to hell because of offense. Because it's offense that leads to unforgiveness and becomes bitterness and rots and falls short of the grace of God. Offense is a very, very, because um, uh, Saul was offended. Mm. His offense, which became jealousy and all, is basically was offended that the people, the women sang, offended because he was the hero so far, <laughs> and now a new hero is in town. Well, you could have gone and fought. You should be very proud. The young boy saved your name and your nation, but he got offended. He was offended over a silly song. Can you imagine how shallow his character was? He got offended over a silly song. Saul has killed his thousand. David has killed his ten thousands. And I mean, okay, they sang. He's only killed Goliath, but killing Goliath is equal to killing ten thousand. But how does it bother you? So you will realize his self was touched. This is what the devil does. He will use the words of, and God allows it. Use the words of Allah to touch yourself. And then you are shown, you know what? My self is still strong. Self is still strong. When a negative comment comes, yeah. okay, what's, you did something good and nobody complimented you. <laughs> okay, that also leads to <laughs> offense. You did something but nobody noticed, nobody said anything, and then you get offended. And that is one. So you have to look at this. Are you upset? Is your heart aching because of betrayal? Or is there something deeper? If it is something deeper called offense, deal it very, very fast. Deal it very fast. Because Lord, I am telling you, a lot of people in the church are offended with God. Mm. Because they have this, they have this thing which is called entitlement mentality. They think they deserve better things from God. They are actually deeply offended with God when things God don't go in their life. Because they, they think that God is like, is just exists to serve them. And it's not the other way. So they get offended when things go wrong in their life. They get upset with God. Okay, upset with God. Like these are questions which I ask uh, uh, young people when I talk to young people. When I talk to young people, they will say, "I'm um, I'm very upset with." Uh, with uh, my parents. Okay, why are you upset? Because they didn't send me to that college I wanted to. I wanted to go there. I wanted to go there. Okay, so my simple question to you is that. Who told you your father has to send you to this college? Who told you? No, he didn't buy me that car or that bike. Who told you your father has to buy you? Who told you? Where did you, where did you get your own idea from that parents are obliged or they have a duty to do all these good things for. Where do you get this idea from? Oh, well, it is written in the Bible. Okay, do you believe in the Bible? Do you believe in the Bible? Do you believe in that God? Do you obey that God? So you don't obey that God, but you want the others to obey that God for your sake. 
So let me tell you. So if you don't obey the God, then the only thing that left is the government. You know what the government says? Send him to the government school. Lunch free. No fees. If he passes, let him go to the government college. And let him apply for a government job. If he gets, he gets. If he doesn't get, we will give him some pension. MR and GA. Let him dig the roads. According to the government, that is my only thing that I'm, I owe you. I don't owe you anything more. If you ask anything more, do you know where it comes from? It comes from God. So my simple question is, do you believe that God? Because there are rights, there are responsibilities. You don't believe in this God. You don't worship this God. You never pray to God. You are not interested in church, but you expect all these things to happen in your life. You know what it is? It's called entitlement mentality. You know what? I deserve nothing from God. The only thing I deserve from God is hell. Because the wages of sin is death. It always is death. But because of God, mercy of God, I am not consumed. Therefore, you know what? I have no offense. I choose not to be offended. I choose not to be offended because I look into the mirror and I see I am number one candidate for God to be offended with. Oh. Because I sin against Him every day. Every day. Okay. Two, I am chief in the, in the church. Why? Because I know more, at least on paper, than the rest of the church because I am senior pastor. So I offend him more than the junior ones. <laughs> My sin is not like your sin. The sin of Moses is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah the sin of Moses is not like the sin of the congregation. They ten times, this man once. Okay, because therefore I offend him more deeply than others. But he's merciful to me every day. So God said, therefore, don't be offended. Forgive. So I have to look at all these things and decide. Now, justice is a different thing. Yes, yes, yes. That's a different thing. If you are in a position of authority, okay, if you are in a position of authority and the person who does this, I'm not talking in this case, in a general case, like if I am a pastor, okay, somebody can sin against me and I will forgive them. Somebody can sin against the church. I have to deal with it. Yes. It's not the same. People sometimes don't understand the difference. You do something against me. It's okay, it's fine. But it will not go well with you, so learn the lesson. Mm. Because today you do it to me, tomorrow you'll do somewhere else, and it will come against you, it will come back to bite you. But you do against the church. Whenever somebody deals against the church, there is, uh, Paul says in Acts 27 or 28 about Jesus Christ purchased the church. 20, Acts 20, yeah. his own blood. Church with his own blood. Understand Acts, the Acts church. 20. Understand the church. What the church is. Acts 20. And verse number, uh, verse 27 onwards. 27, 28, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 28. Therefore take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So you know what? I don't deal with people the same way what they do to me or do to a person or what they do to the church. When they do to the church, I am jealous because he purchased it with his own blood. Okay, with the blood. So when people leave the church... You have the free, if you have the freedom to come, you have the freedom to leave. Even Jesus does not take that autonomy away. Mm. 
He asked his disciples also when they left the last twelve, do you also want to go? So that autonomy is always there. Anybody can anytime leave the church. That autonomy God gives you. But after you leave, you harm the church. My reaction to you will never be the same. Even if you were the most loyal member for 20 years. <laughs> because the problem is the church is not mine. mine. It is his. And he did not pay a small price. He paid for it with the blood of his own son. Therefore, when you act against the church, my prayer will be different. You sin against me, I will say, Lord, forgive. When you sin against the church, I will say, Lord, deal with them. Shut the mouth of the lions. No weapon that is formed against the church will prosper. Every tongue that rises against in opposition, I condemn it in the name of Jesus. I will not allow your blood-bought entity to be harmed. If something goes wrong in your life, don't blame me. Don't blame me. So how you deal with something, that's what I'm talking about. When you deal with something that is not your own, I will drive my scooter. I'll drive my scooter. If I fall, I fall. It is okay. I'll bring it and back and I'll not bother. But if I take, let us say, Raja's scooter and I crash, it's not my scooter, it's his scooter. First thing you'll I'll take the workshop and say, fix the dent, fix it all. Repair the whole thing and give me the bill and I will return to it back in the same condition or a better condition. Why? It's not mine. Absolutely. It is not mine. It is not it's mine. A it's a simple it's principle. Not, it's not mine. And this is something even more. This is not ours. This is his blood-bought church. So you have to look at it. So you have to see everything. Every decision you take is based on office. Mm. Okay? Judge not. Let it be the measure you give. But if you have an office, you have to make judgments. Mm. You have to make judgments. And your office determines your reaction. But where you have been hurt personally, you choose to forgive. But when an entity, entity has been hurt, an entity bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, you have to deal with. A house is being harmed by one child. The prodigal son has to go. Has to go. Mm. Let him go. And no, no sending money order, no sending parcels, nothing. Because if, and don't ask him, come back, come back, we miss you so much, please come back. Because if he comes back on his own terms, nothing will change. He will destroy, he will bring the house down. So you know what, he has to stay away. He may come to his senses. He may come to his senses and not return. He may never come to his senses. He may die there in the pig pen. Or he may prosper in that foreign land and send you an invitation saying, come and visit me, see how well I have done. You don't go in either way. Whatever happens, you do not go. That's what the father said. My son was dead. He was dead. Now he's alive. Some parents, when prodigals go like that and they make a multi-billion dollar company and they see you and... You know what else? Oh, let us go see him. No, this father won't go. He says, I don't care what he is, whether he's in the pig pen or he's a CEO. He's dead. There's only one way he can be alive. He comes back the way of God. He's alive. There is no other way. There's no other. There's a fundamental principles which we have to look at it. This is how God deals with situations. And ratio changes. The first parable, it's one out of hundred. Second parable, it's one out of ten. Mm. Third parable, it's one out of two. One out of two. 
One is a sheep, the other is a coin, the third is a son. You would expect God to be so going after the son. He says, no, it depends upon how you left. Mm-hmm. Where you lost, the sheep was lost, ignorance. Where you were lost by the carelessness of somebody else, the woman lost the coin. Or did you walk out in rebellion? How did you, how did you leave? Did you go out offended? Okay. Leave. Now you have left. Don't mess up the home. You left. You got your autonomy. You got your freedom. You say you are free. Take your freedom and go. But don't harm the house. Don't harm the house of God. Because if you harm the house of God, then I have the God-given duty to protect the house. Mm. Because otherwise I'm an unjust irresponsible steward because house is not mine. The house is his. That's how it works spiritually. So in every case, understand how we deal with situations. Go to the word. Go to the spirit. Once you know what it is to be done, you have strength. You have peace. Mm. You have peace because you know God wants you to deal with that way. And it is his judgment. It's not yours. But in your heart, you always carry forgiveness. Yes. Because when that person comes to that senses and comes back with his everything lost, tattered and torn and filthy, because you always forgave him from day one. Forgave him day one. When he comes back, nothing has changed for you. You still love the person. Only the issue has been now dealt. The person is always to be loved. But issues have to be dealt and forgiveness is towards a person. <clears throat> no, we forgive people. We deal with issues. Mm-hmm. And you cannot reconcile with many people until the issues are dealt. And sometimes issues are never dealt. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sorry to, mm-hmm. uh, there's a question. How do you detach the issue from the person because the person could be the issue sometimes? No, not necessarily. Jesus forgave Judas. He was the issue. But you are not dealing with him. You are dealing with your heart. You are not dealing with him. So you forgive him for your sake. So that if he repents and come back, you will not say, okay, he has to earn his trust and exactly. everything and all that. The father did not say how the prodigal son came back. Okay, elder son, I'm changing my mind. I'm dividing the property again to two and giving. He says, no, he says, oh, everything is yours. Everything is yours. He didn't say... I will give this fellow something. Why don't he didn't say, he said, everything is yours. Everything. As a firstborn, you got a double portion. Now I leave it to you. I gave you that liberty. If you want to share anything with your brother, you can. Mm. Okay. He is loved, but now he has to earn his way up. One way up. That's how it works. That's how it works. Mm. Amen. Super. It's a psychological thing where you say the person is the issue, but you can see. Still detach. Okay, some people, some places the person is the issue. And God will remove them. God will remove them out of the system. There are many political leaders, they are the issue. The leader changes, the situation changes. Everything changes. In many places, people are the issue. Okay, like in this case, in the home, prodigal son was the issue. So what do you do? Certain issues, you have to live with it. And pray your way through. And you have detached your emotions from that. And if the person goes, don't cling to the person. Mm. Don't cling to the person. Let the person go. Because you may not like God's solution, but you receive it. You may not like God's solution, but you prayed for a solution. And sometimes the solution of God is he takes a person out. 
out of your life, out of your home, out of your church, out of your office, out of your business. Maybe you're on a business and the guy who's creating trouble is also the fellow who brings most of the money. Mm. But God says you want solution or you want money? You want peace or money? You choose. And then you pray. He finds another job and he goes away. And you will say, oh, this year is going to be lost, but I'm good. I'll suffer loss. I would rather have peace with loss and turmoil with money. So you never know how God handles it. How God handles it. Yes, Pastor Vijay. The, the, the thing about the church is so important. I mean, it's a solemn thought for people to realize that it has been purchased by God and therefore one should not tamper with it. I mean, uh, that kind of a solemnity is something which we have to really be, we should grow in is what I think. Any situ- any entity, church, especially because, yeah, especially, especially yeah. because it is. No, see, see, David went wrong because of his emotions. That's why Job comes and says, king is weeping, all the people, you're all his servants after the victory are slinking in like as if they lost. He got his emotions involved. When a citizen, a subject in a kingdom, a subject revolts against the king who is absolute monarch, and foments a rebellion and takes over the throne, he has to be executed. Period. has to be executed. Especially if he hasn't changed. If he hasn't changed. If he still fights, in, instead of crying out for mercy, if he fights you, then he has to be executed. But he said, the word, don't kill Absalom. Kill Absalom. That was already in his head. See, see when you compromise on one thing, and you compromise on one thing. The problem is you will start compromising on everything else. Because he compromised on Absalom, he compromised on Shimei. Yeah. That's why he compromised on Shimei. Shimei was throwing dust. They said, shall we take this dog's head off? He said, leave it off. Because if I take his head off, he's thinking, I have to take my son's head That's also off. <laughs> so to keep his son's... Good for the gooses also. Yes, so <laughs> to keep his son's head, he said, leave this fellow alone. But that is not a king. That is not a king. You let your emotions involved in justice. Because you are a king. And this is rebellion against the king, not against the father. Mm. It's not rebellion against the father. It's a rebellion against the king. And so you have to judge the situation as a king. He says, you know what, why? Because you are setting a president. If you allow this, the next king will also have this. So your justice has to come over there. That's where in his emotional weakness, he didn't deal with that situation. Situation rightly. I believe he didn't deal with rightly. He should have executed Shemai. He should have executed Absalom. And uh, when he, um, Absalom, he should have just kept quiet about it. I would have said, capture him and bring him in chains before him. I want him in prison and give him time to do one of these things, but not the way he reacted. Yes, and you know all that, why all that happened? It's because of the fall with Bethlehem. Compromise. It, the compromise there and compromise, 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 compromise. Still, God says a man after my own heart who did all my will. Amen. Okay, but I'm talking to you about situations. Situations, yes. situations yes. is how it works. Amen. That's why these stories are there in the Bible, so that when it comes to our own personal lives, God gives us how do you deal with people, how do you judge with mercy, yet at the same time uphold justice, righteousness, all those things. Okay, this is what the nobles of uh, uh, 
what was that dude's name? Esther's husband, the king. Ah, okay, whatever. Okay, he had a funny name. Okay, when King Vashti refused to come, the king asked, this is a sovereign, absolute monarch. He asked all the nobles, what should I do? They said, because it will become a president. Yes, it will become a president. If you don't deal with her, tough, depose her of her position, cast away, and get another queen. If you don't do this, if she can do this to you, then all our wives can do this. The women in the kingdom will not honor their husbands. That is a counsel he got. So he says, okay, she's the most beautiful. Maybe you all this love her and all that, but you know what? Because what she said to you was not said by a wife to a husband. It was a sovereign command of a king. Mm. And she said, I'm not coming. You cannot refuse that. You go to your palace, you are alone, your husband, she's wife, honey, come here, she doesn't come, it's a different thing. This is a public ceremony. All your nobles are sitting over there. It's a word for Vasti to come. She said, I'm not coming. What do we do? So these are things which we need to understand how God deals with things. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Question number 11. We'll go to the next again, personal question. But by the way, just let you know, people who are listening, I don't read the questions before I answer them. I don't prepare for the answers. This I can't tell bring us. Okay, everything. That's what we tell you. This is what we do. We study the word through the day and night. And then we go literally by what scripture says. When the question or the situation comes, we trust God for the answers. We only prepare for our messages to see that if there is order in it. But we never, I mean, Sammy sent it at few minutes back. Few minutes back. I didn't even look at it. Pastor Vijay showed me which is the first question. First question. Uh, questions come to me. I send it to Sammy. We don't work for the questions because then it will be more like you know uh, prepared, answer. prepared answers. Mm-hmm. We don't let the autonomy of God's word and His Spirit to come over there. Okay. Yes. Question number eleven says: <clears throat> Sometimes we are victimized by our own weaknesses. Are we? Mm-hmm. But we confess when I'm weak. You're strong, Lord. Help us. Look at this victim mentality as bondage. We need to be free. How do we look at victim mentality as bondage is a question. See, um, in Paul's case, it was a different thing. Okay? When we say, everybody takes it and runs with it. Mm-hmm. When I am weak, then I am strong. In his case, okay. So every excuse people make for sloppiness, okay, sloppiness, for lack of integrity, lack of hard work, everything, Lord, I am weak, you are strong. Okay? Now that is sloppiness. <laughs> okay, sloppiness. In his case, it's a different thing. He was very strong mm. because of his visions and things he had heard which was not to be uttered. So he's far ahead of his peers. Mm. And God looks at his servant and says, I love you too much. But the enemy will tempt you to think you are better than the others. So pride will come in. That will destroy you. So you know what? I'm going to allow the devil to attack you. He will attack you in the flesh, body, whatever it was. And I will not deliver you from that. So that will keep you humble. That one weakness in your life will be humble. Meaning, technically, typically, what I'm saying is that lot of men of God, women of God, strong people have a weakness in their life they are never able to overcome. 
never able to overcome. They cry out to God, Lord, I want to overcome this. God says, no, you will not overcome in that. But their ministry is very powerful. Hallelujah. Powerful ministry. They have very powerful people get saved, people get delivered, demons go. Everybody acknowledges their ministry, but in their private, they know they are not able to overcome. And they really want to overcome. They cry out to God, Lord, deliver me. God says, you need that. I will deliver you at one point, I will deliver you, but not now. Mm. Maybe two minutes before you die, I will deliver you. <laughs> you will die delivered. I will tell you why. Because if you go to Second Timothy, chapter 2 and verse 7. 4, 4, 7. Uh, 4, 7. 4, 7. 2 Timothy 4, 7. Not 2, 7. 4, 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He finishes as an overcomer. Mm. Not as somebody who is defeated. defeated yeah. I do believe by that time he's delivered. Yes. Whatever it was, he's delivered. It's not bothering him anymore. He has delivered it. But he's ready to be delivered with a pride coming in because his head is going anyway. <laughs> so I'm not saying there is no deliverance in this situation, but I do believe because you read the chronicles of lots and lots of men of God, you will see they all had one issue. And they cried out for that. They cried out, Lord, would you please deliver me, friend? This is my weakness, and I don't want it to be my weakness. weakness. Okay. So the, the, and, yeah, go back to that question. The, the, the audacity of Paul to say, mm-hmm. according to my, my gospel. gospel. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is stunning. I've yeah. never ever seen anybody saying Peter. No, but I also believe the reason he says that is unlike the others. Unlike the others, they say it is that if Peter says it, John says it, Matthew says it, all of them says it is our gospel because they were taught as a community. Paul receives it personally by revelation. He did not learn it from anybody else. Mm. So there is a difference of his experience. I don't know why that man was so different. Because he t- tells you, what I tell you, I did not receive it from man. God. I received it from God yes. by revelation. So his is different from the others. Like when John can't say my gospel, John is our gospel. Because John received at the same time Peter received. They all went together. And for 120, they were taught by Jesus for 40 days. So they will all say we are taught in a classroom. But Paul was a private tutor. Paul was a private, he was taught one on by one by God and to him more things were revealed which these people, uh, and I only understand because God is not a respecter of persons, persons. therefore I realized the only reason could be that his surrender was so complete. So absolutely. I mean, even in Galatians, he says, "Yeah, they, when I when I I did that, not go. Yeah, and then he says they added nothing, nothing to me. Yeah, which is true because he's got more than that. He knows <laughs> what they know, and he knows, you know, like Peter cannot say John this thing. You no, know, he says they have nothing to add, nothing to add. Right. I mean, that's not yeah, yeah, that's, that's what's right. an aside. Aside, you know, yeah. Aside. So but I believe it's it's all because of surrender. Surrender is surrender is a weapon of warfare. Mm. Offer yourself, you know, and God says, "You offer, I'll speak to you. I'll show you things which you can speak to others. I'll show you things which you do cannot speak to others. I will not restrain anything. I will unlock things for you, and I'll tell you. Don't tell anybody else. So, but when we confess, when I am weak, you are strong, Lord. Help us to look this as yes, which is true. In many cases, it's just a excuse. It's a victim mentality, you know." As bondage, okay. Like, like, let's take for a student. Our students in our church, Jesus, our heroes, heroines all know scripture very well. They don't keep it, but they know it very well. They've been grown up in the church. And they don't study also. 
And at some time they say, Lord, have mercy on me when I am weak, you are strong. God says, fail. I understand what word this road is talking about. Sometimes we are victimized. I don't call it weakness. Our laziness. The fundamental principle is put there for everybody, though it is spoken by Paul to Timothy, prove yourself, which is that. 2 Timothy 2.15. It's a it's a fundamental principle for anybody in any field. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the process in your computer company. <laughs> rightly building the houses as an engineer so it doesn't collapse. Rightly diagnosing the diseases of your patient so that she does not die. Mm. So, so don't take it and put it only for pastors. Though it is put it across your pastors and it is most important for pastors. It is a principle for everybody. Be diligent. Mm. Be diligent. You should be a diligent as a student. You should be diligent as a nurse. You should be diligent as an engineer. You should be diligent as a software. You should be diligent in whatever you do. You should be diligent. Approved to God. Yeah. Why approved to God? Because it's easy to fool men. Yeah. It is not easy to fool God. Yeah. It's not easy. You can't fool God. God. Yeah. A worker who does not need to be ashamed. Worker who does not need to be ashamed. Rightly doing what is your task. Yeah. And the kingdom of God has been compromised by sloppy workers. Yes, sloppy workers. One of the things is that very sloppy workers. Whatever you are called into, it's a calling. Whatever, Even if you are a father mm. or a mother, it is a calling. And you can't be sloppy. You want to know what a father is, look into the word of God. If you want to know what the mother is, look into the word of God. If you want to know what a husband is, look into the word mm. of God. If you want to know what a wife is, look into the word of God. What are the problems in the house? Sloppiness. See, the problems in the house is basically got to do with sloppiness. Yes. People are not doing what God has asked them to do. Pastor, uh-huh. that's very interesting. The word worker uh-huh. uh, is actually a agricultural worker who plows and plows. keeps on digging Dig, and digging. Yeah, so that you know, it's like total uh, involvement into the whole process. Is that's just to, uh, Whenever you are doing whatever you are doing, you know, we have we all put many hats. We have many hats. If you are a married man, Pastor Vijay is a pastor. He's a father. He's a husband. He's a teacher at GTLC, you know. He's a driver when he takes his family home, okay, family to church and home. So if he gets in the kitchen and cooks, he cooks, he's a cook. So many hats we wear. The question is, whatever you do at that point of time, don't be distracted. Do it diligently. Do it diligently. Whatever you do, no, do it Diligently. Bible says, whatever your hand, do it with all oh, your, no. I don't know which that word. Second Corinthians chapter, first yeah. Corinthians chapter 7, if I'm right. Okay, okay, it's okay. Whatever you do. So you need to realize that question is, I like that question. Mm. Because you know what, lot of people run away with that verse. They have no revelation from heaven. They have never heard anything from God. They have never heard anything from which God said, don't tell. They have no oppression from the devil. They oppress themselves and they say, in my weakness. You know? No, not that one, not that one. No. Okay, whatever you do. Okay, it's okay. Let's go back to the question. Yeah, yeah. So don't use it as, okay, uh, 
yes what therefore whether you eat or drink whatever you do whatever you do do all to the glory of god whatever you do so you have to realize you wear many hats but that particular hat you wear you know hats why do we say in english it's because in the west they wear hats they don't wear the same hats for the cook wears a different hat the baseball player wears a different hat okay everybody wears different kinds of hats so you have a hat for an occasion whatever your task is accordingly the fireman's hat is different from the cop's hat so whatever hat you wear okay do your best don't come with this victim mentality because of diligence and excellence the bible says be excellent in what is good innocent of evil we flipped it across we are excellent in evil and innocent in good romans 16 19 romans 16 19 yeah that's a song we sing in romans 16 19 says okay but i want you to be wise yeah, what is put it in niv then it will give you niv and nlt also okay niv ാർട്ട് Mm. then there's a revelation part mm. so we don't we, even though we work hard we don't depend upon our hard work it's like it's mm. not it's not that i worked hard and therefore mm. i get the revelation so how do we distinguish the two how do we how do we say actually you put it together where there is no hard work there's no revelation kya baat super which mm-hmm. is god's word mm. he never blesses a sloth mm. he has never called a lazy person there's nobody in the bible who has ever called because you were sleeping and you're having a siesta was a lazy person nobody everybody you look in the bible almost everybody when they were called they were working it was Moses looking after his father in law sheep David looking after his fathers Elisha looking after his father's field everybody was working because work hard work is one of the ethics of the kingdom of god you know why jesus said is people think god rested on the seventh day and doesn't work anymore no he rested from the work of creation and started the work of preservation and then we added to his troubles mm-hmm. so he had to begin the work of redemption so he said that's what jesus says in john chapter 6 if i'm right 5:5 and i 5:11 5:17 i and my father are at work or 5:17 John 5:17 Jesus answered them my father has been working until now and i have been working i have been working so work hard work is part of it okay and revelation comes okay we are not dependent upon our hard work alone to produce results but even at that time we are asking for open eyes open eyes lord open my eyes i need revelation and you cry out otherwise you make your hard work into an idol I know. Yes. and that is the problem we we work hard because god is a hard worker but what we want is revelation amen because revelation gives you that extra edge. speed edge also that edge the cutting edge the believers have is revelation. revelation they have hard work is their common there are unbelievers who work harder than us but we have an edge which is called 
revelation. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Yes, Pastor, this is the last question. question. Uh, let go of our desire so that we can acquire. How do we do that? Uh, to go, uh, get rid of the desire to acquire. Um, she is afflicted with possessions and obsessions. What can she do to change it? How okay, she got Matthew nineteen twenty one and Malachi three. three yes, yes, yeah, yes. Malachi three, of course. Yeah, Matthew nineteen twenty one. It says he tells the rich ruler, yes. "Sell all you have, <clears throat> okay, and give it to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me." And then the other one, of course, is to bring in our types and the things. So uh, you go back to that question. Malachi, not one. Okay, go back to it's three eight to ten. When you says she is afflicted with possessions and obsessions, so the thing is that you know, God is a God who gives good things to His children more than us. He gives us things. He gives us what we need and everything. But the simple thing is that if your possessions possess you, mm. you are doomed. That's the thing. Mm. If if God possesses you, then it doesn't matter what you have. Because fundamentally we need to realize the earth and everything in it belongs to God. We own nothing. We are only stewards. We are only stewards. We own nothing. It is when ownership comes, ownership mm. comes, trouble, ownership of anything. We own, we own nobody. Even you say, my wife, you don't own her. The problem in very toxic relationships comes in is when the husband thinks he owns the wife and the wife thinks she owns him. But you choke them. You choke them from growing. You don't give them liberty anymore to become what they should become in Christ. You don't own anybody. You don't own anything. The day you die, your wife is no longer your wife. She reverts back to what she always was, the child of God forever. Jesus said, there's no marriage in heaven. Okay, so Rama, that's why it is until death to part. It is not forever and ever. If a pastor doesn't say, I sent you forth now, has has proclaimed you husband and wife forever and ever. No pastor says that. Because he doesn't have the right to say that, not the authority to say that. So please understand that. These are all fundamental things. Because when you talk about possessions, some people think their spouse is their possession. Their children are their possession. No, they are stewards. God makes it very clear. The children are his. Okay, your wife, your husband is his, primarily his. It is his. Otherwise, why, how can it, Ezekiel understands that. She is the delight of my eyes, but she actually belongs to God. If God wants to dispose it, he can. (laughs) He can. He can. And that's what Job understands. He's a steward. In one day, he loses all his property, all his wealth, all his children. What does he do? He worships. No, he worships. He understands. He makes a very fundamental truth. The fundamental truth is that I came with nothing. I go with nothing. In the middle, you gave me a wife. You gave me property. You gave me children. But they were always yours. They were always yours. So you have the absolute right and the sovereignty to do with what it is. So the rich young ruler went away sadly. But Zacchaeus (laughs) said, half my wealth. I give to the poor, and whoever I have taken, I will give them four, seven, whatever times over. So the whole issue is not with possessions. If possessions possess you, God will tell you, get rid of it. Get yes, rid of also it. can we make an observation mm. that 
a person who acquires wealth honestly mm. finds it more difficult to give away his possessions than a person who knows that he actually whatever he has acquired no it doesn't work like that it doesn't work like that. it doesn't matter which way you got it the whole Because question is the quest- question is your heart question is your heart that's the first commandment thou shall have no other gods before me mm-hmm. see everything revolves around commandment number 1 yes when com- commandment number 10 is the the the, the not thou shall not covet thou shall not covet but the first commandment is the most thou shall have no other gods before me what is what is the god in your life the one who controls your life the one who directs your life that is the sum total of your life if money is your god that's why god says you cannot serve god and mammon mm-hmm. you cannot mm-hmm. serve god and mammon you cannot go serve god and your career you cannot serve god and your home you cannot serve god and your wife you cannot serve god and your children you cannot do all that you serve all of them through god when you do that if god takes your wife away like Ezekiel's case he will come without grief though his grieving broken inside he doesn't show because obeying god and he preaches god takes your children away you're broken inside but you worship god god takes all your property away your job away you still worship god because you know you didn't own them you didn't own them like two things have to happen honestly okay it is not enough your knowledge that you did not own god that alone is not enough you still will not worship god god also has to own you yeah. two things that's a, that's a statement hmm. two things one i know i own nothing two god. i know whose i am absolutely he owns me both otherwise you i don't own anything but if it is taken away from you you will still be bitter you will still have early sorrow okay but you know god owns me that's why job is able to say naked i came from my mother's womb naked i go go and he also makes another statement no he makes a statement even if you slay me, me i will still yes, i will worship you i will serve you even if you slay me why you own me that's my life's whole thing whether in life or death you kill me also till my last moment i will serve you why because you own me you own me Okay, let's have that also. Final two distinct round of today's Q and A. Today's questions were nice. Powerful. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Even so, I will defend my own ways before my way. Even if he kills me, I think it's an idea what was says. I will serve, serve him. him. Yeah. Okay, if I'm right, I'm not very sure. One of the translations says. So. Yeah, I will hope. I will hope. Him. Him. Okay, so the whole thing is that he owns me, and I own nothing. It's a very smart thing. <laughs> Honestly, if God owns you, God owns you. Everything God has is at your disposal. You can't ultimately lose anything. You can't lose anything. If you possess your possessions and God doesn't possess you, ultimately you will lose everything. That's what Jesus says. If you lose your life for the gospel's sake, you will find it. You will find it. Mm. But if you don't you will lose it. people in hell have lost everything they own nothing they lost everything you know why because when they were living they allowed god not to own them and they think they owned their possessions 
Thank you, Lord. Okay, so simple. God is not saying sell everything and give it to the poor. He will tell you how exactly. to do it. Don't do these things emotionally. He yes. will tell you. Because God is a very good... St- See, if God is an honor and I am the steward, then he is a very good honor of his resources. Mm-hmm. So he will tell me how, to, what stewardship is, how to do it, how to give it, where to give it, and suddenly you realize, you know what? Because there is this statement in Corinthians, whoever is called to be a steward is required of... First Corinthians chapter 4. Yes. Verses 1, 2, 3. 4, 1, I think. It's 4, 1, if I'm right. 1, 2, 3. Yes. yes. Okay, 4, 1, 2, 3. Yeah, stewards. We are stewards and mysteries of God. Okay? But with me, it's a small thing. More, so, first two, first one. Verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. That's an important thing. Now you have resources. You heard a truth. You realize, okay, I got it. I'll be free from this. I am not an owner. I am a steward. So, let me dump it. No. Mm. Be a good. Be found faithful. Now I am a steward. Lord, it is yours. I have to be faithful to the honor. Mm. I have to be faithful to the honor. Lord, tell me what to do with it. Show me where to do with it. How I need to invest it. How I need to sow it. Where I need to put it. Show me, Lord. Because you know what? God has never printed a single dollar bill or (laughs) coin in heaven and sent it down. Everything the kingdom of God needs on earth is on earth. In the people of God. But the problem is, they are honest. They are not stewards. That's why there is so much lack in the church. Mm-hmm. I'm talking of the worldwide church. So much lack, struggle in the church is because people are honest and not stewards. If people are stewards and though know there is a constant supply, I will take care of all your needs, people will just loosen their hands a little by faith and the resources are flowing in and the kingdom of God, the gospel is going to the ends of the earth. There is nobody poor or stressed. That's what the word of God says in the book of Acts. There was nobody who was in need in the book of Acts church. Why? Because the rich understood they were stewards. They were not honors because everyone who had possessions, the Bible says, they sold their possessions and brought it and laid it at the feet of the apostles. And therefore, the Bible says, there was none who had any need. Mm. Amen? Amen. So we'll close, Pastor Vithi, we'll close with prayer. (laughs) (laughs) Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given to us. Lord, you spoke to our hearts so many relevant truths and struggles and questions and issues that are there deep down in each of our hearts, O Lord. And we just want to thank you for your faithfulness that through your spirit you spoke to us. Lord, we just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. And Lord, even as we've, uh, Lord, heard so many things and even as we go back home, I pray, Lord Jesus, that Lord, you would deposit these truths even into the deepmost parts of our inner man. It will become a part of our spirit and a part of our character as well. And Lord, and we will respond the way you want us to respond when we go through situations and struggles in our lives. Thank you, Father, for opening our eyes. Thank you, Father, for the mercy and the grace and the opportunities that you give to us to come together and understand and study your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. And even as we go back home, I pray, Father, that you take us home safely. And uh, if you give us another opportunity, Lord, in the days, if you give us another day in the land of the living, I pray, Father, that we will be all found in your house on time tomorrow. And Lord, prepare ourselves and, and Lord, be ready at, uh, to receive uh, your elements, O oh Lord Father. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. 
Amen. Amen.